أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل الأقدة من لساني يفقه قولي ربنا آتنا من لدنك رحمة وهيئ لنا من أمرنا رشدا اللهم جعلنا من الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوب الحق وتواصوب الصبر Assalamu alaikum, uh, brothers and sisters. Uh, as Brother Ashfaq said that uh, today uh, we're going to be uh, discussing uh, the verses from Surah Al-Ankabut, verses 26 to 35. And these deal with uh, the story of uh, Lut alayhi salam uh, and his people. So you might have learned uh, in your previous sessions that uh, the Surah Al-Ankabut, it was revealed uh, in Mecca during uh, extreme persecution of uh, of the Muslims. And uh, it happened, according to uh, some of the commentators, that it happened uh, prior to the migration uh, to Habasha. And at this point, uh, the, the Quraysh of Mecca, uh, they were giving uh, many different troubles, many different, I mean, they were persecuting them, they were giving uh, many different troubles to the people, including their own children. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, some of the Quraysh, some of the parents of Quraysh, they even knew uh, the verses of the Quran. They were even using those verses to black uh, blackmail uh, their own children. As Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, He says in the Quran, insana husna." That be kind to your uh, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has prescribed uh, on the people uh, to be kind to their parents. And uh, the Quraysh of Mecca, they were using these verses and telling their own children, "See your own Quran. See your own Quran says." That you should listen to your parents and not go against them. Then Allah Subhanahu wa Taala He clarified uh, by uh, uh, giving us the entire verse uh, by saying, "Wa wasayna al-insana bivalidayhi husna wa in jahadaka li tushrika bi ma laysa laka bihi ilmu falatutiyahuma." Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Yes, you have to be kind to your parents and you have to obey them. But if they take you away from the path of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, if they struggle with you to take you away from the path of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala." not having knowledge, then you should not obey them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he gives us uh, this uh, uh, this full, uh, complete understanding, if you will. And uh, again, this brings up an interesting point uh, that we see today. Uh, what was mentioned is not exactly uh, Quranic uh, revisionism, but this is a, a, a phenomenon uh, that we, uh, we are seeing today, and it has relevance to uh, the verses that we are gonna go through. Uh, people take uh, verses and they try to reinterpret and uh, try to make it mean something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not intend. This is not what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught us through the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is not the understanding of uh, the predecessors. This is not the understanding of the companions. But they try to take these uh, Quranic verses and try to make it mean something that it doesn't uh, intend to. And this Quranic revisionism that we see happening uh, in our own times a whole lot, uh, I mean, we're not opposed to uh, uh, all Quranic rev revisionism. There are, of course, there are some verses that we can reinterpret and understand. Uh, for example, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about a miracle uh, in the Quran, then we can try and understand the miracle according to the, the knowledge of science that we have today. It's okay to interpret in, in a different way. But if we go against the fundamentals of the Quran, then it is not uh, appropriate. And that is something that we see happening. So I just wanted to kind of uh, make that point. Then, of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, he moves on to other examples, uh, other types of persecution uh, uh, that, uh, that were done by uh, the Quraysh. They even came to the people and said, okay, now don't worry about uh, taking on the sins. Uh, we will take the sins for you. 
and as uh, Allah uh, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, He refuted them. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala uh, uh, opened their, uh, showed us their plots uh, in the Quran, and they said, "وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اتَّبِعُوا سَبِيلَنَا وَالْنَحْمِلْ خَطَايَاكُمْ." That the Quraysh, the Kuffar, they came to the believers and they said that we will take care of your uh, uh, your punishments, whatever that you have to face in the hereafter with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we will go in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we will tell them that, Ya Allah, that these people are in innocent and they were just only following us. So again, all those things are not going to uh, work with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when we do meet him on the day of judgment. Then of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala moves on to uh, the story of Nuh alayhi salam, the story of uh, Ibrahim alayhi salam, then finally he goes into uh, the story of Lut alayhi salam, which is what we're going to be uh, talking about today. And if you see uh, this entire uh, uh, surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he starts the surah by saying, am I going to leave you? Do you think that I'm going to leave you just because you say that you believe? Do you think that you're not going to have any trouble, that you're not going to have any trials, you're not going to have any tribulations in your life just because you say you believe? People who came before you, they all went through some trials and tribulations. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave example of uh, these trials and tribulations of uh, telling us the story of Nuh alayhi salam, telling us the story of uh, uh, Ibrahim alayhi salam, then telling us the story of Lut alayhi salam, and then uh, Shu'aib alayhi salam. If you look at these uh, stories, you will also find that these are some of the major fitna that we go through in our life today, in our times. We are going through the fitna of shirk. People tr are trying to worship themselves. People are worship, people, when I say worship themselves, they worship the desires and whatnot. And then you also have uh, people trying to have immoral uh, relationship. Uh, immoral relationship with uh, with the same sex and whatnot and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he talks about that in surah Lut uh, in surah Lut then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about uh, uh, another uh, uh, corruption uh, in finance and how you take care of your businesses with Shu'aib alayhi salam so these are some of the bigger problems that we face in life today in our times and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he gives us a story as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us Yes, you have to go through all these pain. You have to go through all these trials and tribulations to prove your iman. So Allah SWT did not just give us these stories for no reason. Allah SWT gave us for us to understand the people before us, they went through uh, the trials and tribulations and, uh, and so are we. We have to go through uh, uh, those trials and tribulations to prove our iman. Just because we say la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah that, we, uh, that we're not going to be saved from the uh, trials and tribulations and from the fitna, we all have to go through it. So I just wanted to uh, mention that uh, in form of introduction, uh, if you will. Uh, so we start, we are going to do uh, from uh, ayah number, I think 26 to uh, 35 uh, is our um, our portion uh, for today. Uh, like I mentioned, it talks about uh, Lut alayhi salam. Uh, and Lut alayhi salam, he, uh, he, uh, his father is Harran, and whose father is Azar. And Harran and Ibrahim alayhi salam, they were, they are brothers. Harran and Ibrahim alayhi salam, they were brothers. And Azar is the father of both Ibrahim alayhi salam and uh, and Harran. So as you know, so basically Lut alayhi salam is the nephew of uh, Ibrahim alayhi salam, and they both lived in uh, Mesopotamia uh, in the Iraq uh, Palestine uh, area, if you will. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, tells us that after uh, he protected uh, uh, Ibrahim alayhi salam from the fire of uh, Nimrud, no one believed in uh, Ibrahim alayhi salam. No one 
came up with the courage to believe in Allah, believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and believe in Ibrahim alayhi salam. At that time, a young boy, Lut alayhi salam was a young boy. He was the one who believed. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he started, he starts the discourse of this section of the surah by saying, فَآمَنَ لَهُ Lut. And Lut alayhi salam believed in him. وَقَالَ إِنِّي مُهَاجِرٌ إِلَىٰ رَبِّ إِنَّهُ هُوَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ Then Ibrahim alayhi salam, he says, Indeed, I will emigrate in the service of, uh, of my Lord. Indeed, he is the exalted in might and wise. Some uh, scholars say, some Mufassirin, uh, uh, they say that وَقَالَ إِنِّي مُهَاجِرٌ إِلَىٰ رَبِّي That is something that was said by uh, Lut alayhi salam. But majority of the scholars, they say it is uh, said by uh, Ibrahim alayhi salam because it connects to the next words. Uh, it makes sense, uh, uh, if you will. And, uh, and the historians, they also say that when uh, Ibrahim alayhi salam, when he took on this uh, journey, when he took on this migration, he was about 75 years old. He left uh, Harran with uh, uh, Lut alayhi salam and uh, Sarah alayhi salam, and they migrated to uh, to the areas of uh, uh, Palestine, uh, um, uh, Palestine, and then of course they all moved to uh, Egypt and whatnot. So they were uh, sojourning through uh, different parts of the uh, different parts of the uh, um, world at the time. Then later on, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he blesses Ibrahim alayhi salam with Ishaq and Ya'qub. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَوَحَبْنَا لَهُ إِسْحَاقَ وَيَعْقُوبَ وَجَعَلْنَا فِي ذُرِّيَّتِهِمَ النُّبُوَّةَ وَالْكِتَابِ وَآتَيْنَاهُ عَجْرَهُ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَإِنَّهُ فِي الْآخِرَةِ لَمِنَ الصَّالِحِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he blessed uh, Ibrahim alayhi salam with Ishaq and Ya'qub. And then uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he gave them a reward in this world. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala finally says that in the hereafter, they will be among the righteous. I'm going to go through this section of the presentation pretty quickly because I want to get to an important uh, a section that is more relevant to our times. The lesson that we have to learn from these ayats. I'm just going to skip through, uh, probably speed through uh, some of the verses, uh, if you will. So uh, here is the ancient uh, map of uh, Mesopotamia. Uh, you see the Tigris and the Euphrates River and the city of Ur, where, the, where Ibrahim alayhi salam, uh, he was born. And Ibrahim alayhi salam initially migrated from the city of Ur and he went to Harran. And uh, from Harran, he uh, migrated to uh, 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 migrated to uh, Palestine. Uh, actually, he lived in a place uh, called Al-Khalil, uh, Hebron, and that's where uh, he uh, passed away as well. And near uh, Hebron, uh, to the southeast, uh, you all you see... Uh, a place called uh, a city is called Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, you hear these names in uh, in the Bible, and of course the Talmud uh, also talks about uh, two other cities. Talmud actually talks about four cities, but the Bible talks about uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom being the capital uh, um, uh, capital of the people of uh, Lut. So just wanted to kind of give you what geographical area uh, Lut alayhi salam he lived in. So like I said, uh, Lut alayhi salam, he traveled with uh, Ibrahim alayhi salam to Syria, Palestine, and Egypt. We all know the story, uh, what happened uh, there. And then uh, Lut alayhi salam, he learned the message uh, from uh, Ibrahim alayhi salam. And later on, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he bestowed uh, Nubuwa on Lut alayhi salam. Uh, later, uh, Lut alayhi salam became the prophet. Uh, and he lived, uh, uh, the land of Lut is between uh, Iraq and Palestine. And like I said, uh, Sodom uh, is the capital of, uh, of a city. And people of Lut, they were accused of three primary uh, sins. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, وَلُوتًا إِذْ قَالَ لِقَوْمِهِ إِنَّكُمْ لَتَأْتُونَ الْفَاحِشَةَ مَا سَبَقَكُمْ بِهَا مِنْ أَحَدٍ مِنَ الْعَالَمِينَ And Lut said to his people, Indeed, you commit such immorality uh, 
as no one has committed before you from the world. So Lut the people of Lut they were the first one to commit the sin of sodomy. So that was the vicious, that's the first vicious sin that they committed. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about in Surah uh, 28, Ayah number 28 of Surah Al-Anqabut. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says uh, in the next ayah, أَإِنَّكُمْ لَتَأْتُونَ الرِّجَالَ وَتَقْطَعُونَ السَّبِيلَ وَتَأْتُونَ فِي نَادِيكُمُ الْمُنْكَرِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says again, he repeats again, indeed you approach men, talking about sodomy again, then you commit highway robbery. You commit highway robbery, that being the second vicious sin. And the third one, it is said, and you commit in your meetings every type of evil. You commit in your meetings every type of evil. And some scholars said that uh, it doesn't include sodomy, it includes other types of sins. But if you read Surah An-Naml, in Surah An-Naml, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلُوتًا that they committed that evil while others were looking on. So they were committing sodomy in public while others were seeing, along with many other sins as well. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he accuses the people of Lut for three wishes sins, the sodomy, the highway robbery, and third one, committing sodomy in public and all other types of sins in public places. And as we all know that when sins are committed openly, then it becomes a double sin and incurs the wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this was the nature of uh, the people of Lut. Then after advising, uh, after Lut salam advising to his people uh, several times for years and whatnot, finally he said, enough is enough. He raised his hand and he said, He said, my Lord, support me against against the people who are uh, who are um, uh, uh, who are mufsidin. And uh, Prophet uh, Lut salam, he said, "Ya Allah, save me, help me against these corrupting people, people who are corrupt." And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, as a result of the of uh, uh, Lut salam's dua, he sent angels. And we know first the angels they came to uh, uh, Ibrahim alayhi salam. Allah subhanahu wa taala he says uh, in the Quran, وَلَمَّا جَاءَتْ رُسُلُنَا إِبْرَاهِيمَ بِالْبُشْرَى قَالُوا إِنَّا مُهْلِكُ أَهْلِ هَذِهِ الْقَرِيَةِ إِنَّ أَهْلَهَا كَانُوا ظَالِمِينَ. Let me take the translation one by a little by little, if you will. So first they came to uh, Ibrahim alayhi salam. وَلَمَّا جَاءَتْ رُسُلُنَا إِبْرَاهِيمَ بِالْبُشْرَى. First they came to uh, Ibrahim alayhi salam to give him a news and we know from other surah from surah uh, al and surah uh, hud and surah araf and surah anbiya uh, we get the whole picture where the when the when the prophets came to when the angels sorry when the angels came to uh, ibrahim alayhi salam in the form of uh, men ibrahim alayhi salam was not able to identify he did not know that they were angels so he started preparing some roasted calf and whatnot he tried to feed them and they did not uh, eat and then he got afraid at which point they revealed uh, who they were and they gave the news of um, uh, uh, news of a son uh, to sarah alayhi salam uh, news of uh, ishaq alayhi salam to uh, 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 to ibrahim and sarah and when when ibrahim alayhi salam when he heard this news when he first saw when he first realized that the, these were angels, he, were, he was afraid that they were sent for some destruction. But later on, when they explained that they were sent to give the, uh, give the news of Ishaq salam, he quieted down, but then, then the angels, they went on and they added, uh, and, they, uh, and basically they, they informed 
another reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent them, which is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he sent them, indeed, we will destroy the people of that loot city. Indeed, its people have been wrongdoers. And like I said, Prophet Ibrahim salam, he was living uh, in the city of Al-Khalil uh, in uh, Hebron in Palestine. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring Palestine back to uh, uh, to the hands of the Muslims. So that was the city that uh, Prophet ﷺ was living in. Of course, uh, uh, when uh, when the angels told them that we were sent to uh, destroy the people of Lut salam, uh, Ibrahim salam, he was uh, he was upset. Uh, he uh, he even uh, uh, told the uh, angels that uh, that uh, give them some more time, uh, give that people uh, give uh, the people of Lut some more time. Yes, they are committing the crime. So even at that point, and again knowing Ibrahim salam, he was full of mercy. He was like our Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He was full of uh, mercy, and he pleaded on behalf of the people uh, to the angels, "Don't do it! Don't do it now! Give them some more time." But when he, when he finally realized that the angels are going to do what they were commanded to do, then he said, "Don't forget that Luth is also there." Qala inna fiha That Luth is also there. Then the angels rep, uh, replied, "Qalu nahnu alamu biman fiha." That we know. Luth is in there. We are more. We have more knowledge of who is within that city, and they said, كَانَتْ مِنَ الْقَابِرِينَ that we will save, uh, we will save him and his family except for his wife. So then, uh, so after that, uh, let me move on to the next one. So when. They, uh, when Ibrahim al-Islam, when he was not able to convince the angels, uh, the angels told them that this is what they're going to do. Then they came to the, then the angels came to Lut al-Islam uh, in the form of young man. When Lut al-Islam saw these people, saw these young men, of course, he didn't realize initially that they were angels. So he was worried about them. Uh, Lut al-Islam uh, was worried about uh, these people. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, that when angels came to Lut he was distressed for them, for the angels who were in the form of men and fell for them great discomfort. Then the angels told them, fear not and do not worry. Indeed, we will save you and your family except your wife. They, gave, they basically confirmed the same message that was uh, given to uh, uh, Ibrahim alayhi salam. Then, of course, Jibreel alayhi salam, uh, we know what he did. He uprooted the town from the depths of the earth, lifted it up to the sky, and then threw it upside down uh, upon them. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he rained upon them stones of hard clay. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّا مُنْزِلُونَ عَلَىٰ أَهْلِ هَذِهِ الْقَرِيَةِ رِجِزًا مِّنَ السَّمَاءِ بِمَا كَانُوا يَفْسُقُونَ Indeed, we will bring down on the people of the city punishment from the sky because they have been defiantly disobedient. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَقَدْ تَرَقْنَا مِنْهَا آيَةً بَيِّنَةً لِقَوْمِ يَعْقِلُونَ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he left the Dead Sea, also called the Sea of Lut, to serve as a reminder. So I kind of went through that story that we are all very familiar uh, with uh, pretty uh, fast because like i said i wanted to focus on something else allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like i pointed out he did not mention the story to us for no reason this is one of the struggles allah subhanahu wa ta'ala started the ayah do you think that 
just because you say believe that, that just just because you believe that you will not be tested and this is the test that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put on people and this is the test that we as muslims face at the current times especially in this part of the world and what i wanted to mention is that we have to take some learning from these ayat first of all Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he only approved a certain type of relationship between men and women. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Ar-Rum, verse number 21, وَرَحْمًا It is from the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us it is from one of his signs that he created us. He created us from ourselves. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about Adam alayhi salam and Hawa alayhi salam so that we may find tranquility in them. We may find Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he put the affection and mercy in this type of relationship. It is a great sign from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he created our mates from ourselves. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put affection and mercy in that type of relationship. Indeed, in that, the signs, indeed, uh, Indeed, in that are signs for people who think and give thought and who contemplate. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he created men and women as part of his natural order. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he also created these two gen genders with physiological differences, with psycholo psychological differences. And as parents, I'm sure that many of you who are on the call are parents. And just think about yourself. If two men were to run the family or two women were to run the family, how difficult would that be for the children? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave certain qualities to men and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave certain qualities to uh, women. And we often find our children coming to us, coming to the dad for certain reasons and coming to the, going to the mom when she needs affection or when he needs affection and mercy and whatnot, when he needs guidance and leadership and then he comes to, uh, uh, to, uh, to, the, to the dad. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he created men and women differently with different physiological and psychological make makeup. And this is what we are losing today. We are losing the emphasis and the importance of family. Even though Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that I put rahmah and mercy between men and women, and he allowed the relationship to come together through marriage. That relationship even can come together without marriage. In Islam, premarital and extramarital relationships are forbidden. And similarly, homosexuality is forbidden as, as well. So first thing that we have to keep in mind from these ayat is the emphasis on family. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he approved only one type of relationship that can exist between men and women through marriage. And I want to quickly go through this. And Allah's Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he mentioned some uh, hadith about homosexuality. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, and Jabir uh, radiallahu anhu qala qala rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, inna akhwafa ma akhafu ala ummati amalu qawmilut. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said that the greatest fear that I have for my ummah is the behavior of the people of Lut. 
And this is what the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and we are witnessing that today. And as a punishment in uh, one of the hadith, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, man amila amala That they are cursed. The people who do this type of activity, who engage in homosexuality, they are cursed. That both of them needs to be killed. The one who does it and the one who they do it to, both of them need to be killed. Again, this is, of course, we are talking about in a these punishments in a situation where uh, we are living in an Islamic country, an Islamic state, and if and when that happens, and we are not calling for this to happen in our country, in the uh, United States by any means. So I just want to be very clear. These are the hadith uh, that we have um, in, the, uh, in our books, and we're not calling for these to be implemented uh, at our times uh, based, on, based on where we live. And there are also differences amongst the scholars in terms of what those punishments uh, ought to be. And Imam Shafi and Imam Ahmad, they uh, considered homosexuality a bigger crime than fornication and adultery. Uh, and but Imam Abu Hanifa, he said, uh, and they basically they said uh, the punishment should be uh, the the, the had, uh, has to be uh, enforced upon the people who commit homosexuality. But Imam Abu Hanifa, he said that it is a lesser crime uh, than uh, adultery and fornication, and it has to be it has to let it has to be left to the um, uh, the opinion of the judge or the discretion of the judge. So just wanted to mention uh, uh, some of the hadith uh, about homosexuality. And this is a beautiful ayah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about similar topic in a different place uh, in the Quran. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says in Surah An-Naml, وَلُوطًا إِذْ قَالَ لِقَوْمِهِ أَتَعْتُونَ الْفَاحِشَةَ وَأَنْتُمْ تُبُسِرُونَ Again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's mentioning, when, and Lut alayhi salam, when he said to his people, do you commit immorality while you are seeing? We already went through it. They were openly committing this sin. And do you indeed approach men with desire instead of women? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he calls this as a desire, as, uh, as a shahwa. It is not uh, like any other shahwa a person could have. That this is a shahwa that we have to uh, control. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes on to say, فَمَا كَانَ جَوَابَ قَوْمِهِ إِلَّا أَنْ قَالُوا أَخْرِجُوا آلَ لُوطٍ مِّنْ قَرِيَتِكُمْ But the answer of his people was not except that they said, expel the family. Expel the family of Lut from the city. Indeed, they are people who keep themselves pure. And if you think about the action of the people of Lut against Lut salam, look at what they are doing. Lut salam is calling them to goodness. Lut is calling them to purity and he's struggling against immorality. But the people who are committing the immorality, they are very quick to call out and say that these people are trying to change our life. They are trying to change our life. They are trying to implement Sharia in our, uh, in our country, in our city. They are trying to uh, oppress. They are wearing hijab and oppressing their own women and now they are trying to oppress our women as well. And they also say, get them out. Send them back. Go back to where you came from. That is what Lut, the people of Lut is telling to Lut. We have to drive them out of our country. They know. They know. Those, the people of Lut, they themselves said that these are the people who keep themselves pure. Even though that they know that the people of uh, that Lut and the believers are pure, but they want to protect their way of life by calling, by sending us, by driving us 
out of the city. Isn't that what we see today? Whenever we struggle for goodness, whenever we strive for morality, people who don't want goodness, people who don't want the moral sense, they say that we don't need your purity. We don't need your education. Go back. Go back to where you come from. And to me, it's, when I read these ayat, it sounded like, I mean, it, it had a clear parallel to what we go through, what we go through as American Muslims uh, at, at these times. And I'm going to take a few more minutes and then, inshallah, we will conclude and open it up for uh, Q&A. And it is not just Quran that says, that's, uh, that says homosexuality is forbidden. Uh, even the Abrahamic faith, they say uh, the homosexuality is forbidden. And I've given some uh, verses from both the Old Testament and the New Testament because, as you know, people usually say that, hey, uh, uh, we don't follow them. I mean, the, many of the Christians that you, uh, I mean, not, I would say, a significant portion of the Christians, they say that we don't follow the Old Testament. So that's why I have references from both Old Testament and the New Testament about the prohibition of homosexuality. Not going to go through it. If time permits during Q&A, we can definitely uh, do that. And we also get these arguments people who commit this immorality the first thing that they point out is that it is in my nature how can you blame me when this is what i like this is what i'm made to be and how can we take that as a as a possible or a good response people say that this is what i want to do this is what i get my pleasure in this is what i like to do it's in my genes is that a valid response? Is that a valid justification? Because if that were to be a valid justification, we know pedophiles, they say that they get satisfaction only when they have relationship with children. That is where they find their happiness with. That's, that's where, that's, I mean, through children they get off. If they say that that's where I find my desire, that's where I get my pleasure, do we accept that? Do we accept that from a, from a pedophile? Do we accept them from a, a kleptomaniac who is prone to stealing? A pyromaniac, pyromaniac who wants, who finds joy in just uh, putting fire on, uh, uh, creating arson and whatnot? We definitely can't, can't take those exact, uh, take those responses uh, as justification. And some people even say it is also in the nature. The animals do it. You, there are so many animals in the animal kingdom who commit homosexuality. Why can't we do it? We are animals too. But you also, if you look at the animal kingdom, there are animals after mating, either the female kills the male or the male kills the female. You find this a phenomenon. Do we accept that? If you're going to take example from the animal kingdom, can we take that as an example? And there are, they also, there are also animals who are prone to necrophilia, who have sex with dead animals. If you're going to take example from, are we going to follow that? I mean, we, people come up with these responses saying that, okay, they are trying to justify what they want, what, because this is their desire. And they are trying to find a way to justify themselves. And what has happened is even amongst the Muslims, they are going through what is called the phenomenon of, phenomenon of Quranic revisionism. I mentioned that to you at the beginning of the session today. They reinterpret the verses of the Quran to say that the Quran nowhere says that homosexuality is prohibited. They say some some people who say that homosexuality, people who accept Muslims who accept homosexuality is prohibited. They also go to an extent of saying that 
the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala punished the people of Lut is because they were going against the angels and the angels did not consent to the relationship. So only rape, homosexual rape is prohibited. Homosexuality, the action of homosexuality, if it is a rape, then it is prohibited. But if it's consensual, then it is not uh, prohibited. We don't know where they are getting these ideas from. The Quran is against it. The, the Hadith is against it. But people are trying to find some justification to prove to uh, to prove to themselves to and, and to others that this is an acceptable act. And again, this is an evolution of uh, LGBT. If time permits, we can go through and uh, how the whole LGBT stuff uh, happened in uh, USA. I also want to point out this is a growing trend amongst the Muslims as well. As Muslims, we need to accept that this is happening. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not just provide this uh, story for no reason in the Quran. We have to take lessons. We have to accept that this is indeed a problem. And if we don't educate our children and our fellow Muslims, they may go the wrong way. Like the recently uh, uh, ISPU, uh, uh, the organization that uh, Sister Dalia, uh, Dalia Mujahid, uh, that she runs, her data says 31% of Muslim Americans said they hold a favorable opinion of LGBT people. 23, 23 said unfavorable, and 45 said they had no, no opinion. And this is the situation when clear, when Quran is very clear and the Hadith are very clear about this action, that the trends of acceptance is, grow, uh, is going up. And what should be our attitude towards this section of people? Uh, since we are already past 35 minutes, I'm just going to hold this for Q&A time, inshallah. And we can talk about how do we deal with uh, people uh, who have these type of feelings or you come across these type of feelings uh, if you come up uh, come across people who have engaged in this type of behavior how do we uh, work with them what should be our attitude towards them inshallah we can uh, try and answer them during a q a so i'm just inshallah i'm going to pause there and uh, we can open up it uh, for q a inshallah the first question uh, the wife of Luth was specifically drawn out that she would not be saved can you explain to us why this was and what is the lesson from her being drawn out in the verses? And yes, and uh, when uh, Lut alayhi salam, when he migrated to the city of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, he, uh, he uh, wanted to spread Islam or uh, Islam amongst the people at that time. And he thought the best way to do that by taking one of them as his uh, wife. So even though he uh, took uh, his wife, uh, even though he married into the same uh, community, his wife never believed. And especially if you see, if you look at uh, the, the wives of the Prophet wasallam and the wife of Ibrahim salam, you see the wives, they learn a lot from the prophets and they exhibit the, the, the behavior of the prophets. And they teach others, as we have seen in our, uh, uh, as we see in our case with uh, the wives of our prophets. But having been under a prophet, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about this in Surah At-Tahreem. Both the wife of Lut alayhi salam and Nuh alayhi salam, both of them were put under the prophet for a very long time. And again, we all know from the Quran that Nuh salam, he lived, um, he did dawah for over 900 years. And living under a prophet or living with a prophet ought to enable you, ought to change you 
to follow the footsteps of the Prophet and then, of course, obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and whatnot. But Lut, the wife of Lut, having lived with Lut for such a long time, she didn't learn anything. She always, she always uh, sided with her people. And even when uh, some of the historians say that when even when the angels came to uh, Lut in the form of men, she was the one who went and told the people, hey, Lut is hiding three people, three handsome men. So this was the action of the wife of Lut. And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he specifically called out and he said, even though you lived for such a long time under the prophet, you didn't learn anything, you didn't believe, you committed atrocities, and then of course you're gonna be punished along with the rest of the people. So that's why he, she was uh, particularly picked up. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that he would save uh, Lut, uh, Lut and his family, except for his wife because of her sins, of what she committed. What's the next one? Yeah, Jazakallah. Yeah, so with respect to the sacred union of marriage in Islam, and in the context of the society that we live in today with all of the fitna that's going on, we talked about homosexuality, divorce rates are on the high. What advice do you have for couples to protect the sacred union of marriage? So this is specifically about keeping our uh, relationship to protect uh, the relationship of the wife and husband. Is that the question? Yeah, especially in the context of all of the fitna that's around us so that we're not uh, influenced by it. it. I mean, it is to have, I mean, the, the basic thing is to have an open communication. Talk to each other. Believe me, uh, just recently, uh, uh, this, this is very disheartening. Uh, again, I'm just hypothetical. I mean, this is a real scenario, but uh, an old man, we are talking about someone uh, beyond 40s. This can happen to anybody. This issue of homosexuality can happen to anybody. It can happen to the youngsters and it can happen to the, uh, to the ones who are old. So recently, um, a man who was 40 plus basically said that I don't find any joy in my wife. And then he said that this is what I'm going to be. And he basically left and started becoming that one becoming that person. So to prevent this, I think we need to fundamentally have an open communication, especially for husband and wife. We need to have an open communication amongst themselves. And Islam, again, I'm hoping uh, the audience are uh, mature enough to understand this. In Islam, the Prophet wasallam, satisfying your own desires through the proper channel, through the proper medium, is sadaqah. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he called that a sadaqah. And the, and the companions asked, Ya Rasulullah, how that can be sadaqah? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, if you were to do it through other means, then that would be a sin. But if you do it through the right means, then yes, that is going to be a sadaqah. So talk to each other, uh, open up the lines of communication. Sometimes, especially, especially people who are from, who are back from home and whatnot, this is, this is not a thing that they like to talk about. But especially in a situation that we are living in, anyone can be affected. Like I said, I just gave an example of a man who has been married to his wife for a long time, for 15 years or so, and suddenly he changed his mind. But we have to keep that lines of communication open. I cannot be very explicit in, in these calls, really don't know who the audience was, but talk to about each other's interests, what they like and what they don't like. And as long as within the fold of Islam, you should be able to 
take care of each other's uh, interests and their uh, wishes and desires and whatnot within the frame of marriage, within what Islam allows. That is the first thing that uh, we have to do. And secondly, I would uh, I would say make make and make lot and lot of dua to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Make lots and lots of dua to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that He not only protect us but protect our children as well. And one thing that comes to mind, uh, a particular ibadah that comes to mind is the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He said, "Alaykum bi qiyamil layl." that prescribed on you is qiyamul layl the night prayers and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said that that is that that is the habit of the righteous people who came before you that it will bring you closer to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that it will become a kafara for your evils, uh, for your sins. That it will protect you from evil. Any bad deeds, it will protect you from your uh, from that evil. So the Prophet wasallam said that Qiyamul Layl gives you four benefits. One is first you're following the, the uh, uh, following uh, the traditions of your righteous predecessors. Secondly, it become brings you closer to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. It becomes an expiation for your previous sins, and it will protect you from future sins. So make that as part of the uh, part of the habit. And I would also encourage educate yourself about this problem that we currently face. And if you feel that there are, if you feel someone going this way or that way, I think there needs to be an open communication. To me, it comes down to communication. Again, like I said, I can be very explicit in these calls. Talk to each other, talk to each other about your interests and desires. That is the first thing that I would say, and take care of each other. The second piece, of course, we have to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and keep each other uh, pure by doing some additional uh, nawafil act, especially uh, tahajjud. And I would probably recommend that you uh, talk to your imam and whatnot to uh, get, more some, uh, get some more recommendations. But those are the things that come to my mind. Jazakallah khair. Um, can you address the topic of discrimination uh, against uh, homosexual individuals uh, that's happened in society in general? And what should be the Muslim approach to such matters? Okay, so that's, that's this uh, particular deck. First of all, we have to be very clear. Islam prohibits homosexuality. There is no ifs and buts about it. We have to make it very clear that in Islam, there is no room for homosexuality. You cannot reinterpret the Quran. You cannot do Quranic revisionism and try to find a loophole and say that the Quran allows this. So Sharia, know that there is no ifs and buts about homosexuality. It is indeed haram. But we have to keep in mind that a thought of homosexuality is not I would say that is not punishable. Just having the thought. Just having the thought is not punishable. And we all know the, what to say, the roadmap to sin. It starts, anything to sin, it starts with a fleeting thought. The fleeting thought, as you uh, ponder over that fleeting thought, it becomes a desire. The desire becomes determination. Then the determination ends up making a person fully committing the action. 
So when something comes to our mind, we just have to make sure that we try to eradicate that uh, thought as quick as possible. But having that thought itself is not punishable. So we just have to be very clear about that. If a person is having these type of thoughts, I'm talking about the people who are having the not. I'm not talking about the people who are committing the action. I'm first. I'm talking about the people who are having these thoughts. If someone were to have these thoughts, we just have to advise them that having the thoughts itself is not punishable. As a matter of fact, if a person struggle against those thoughts, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala indeed rewards that person. So they have to find some distraction from those thoughts. If someone is having those thoughts, counsel them. Go talk to a counselor. Go talk to an imam. Open it up to someone, uh, uh, someone who, uh, someone who you rely, who can keep your secret. Again, this is where, as parents, we have to be. May Allah Subhanahu wa Taala protect all our children. Again, this is my sincere dua for my own children and for all uh, your children as well. That may Allah Subhanahu wa Taala protect uh, our children. But if someone were to fall into this, remember that. There is a greater sin than this, which is shirk. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala He says, "Inna Allah la yaghfiru an yushrak bih, wa yaghfiru ma duna dalika liman yasha." Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will not forgive uh, shirk, but He will forgive any other sin. If you come to know of a person who is having these thoughts, just imagine that there is a greater sin than this, which is shirk. It all depends upon how you deal with that person at that moment. If you deal with that person incorrectly, you can push that person outside of Islam and make them commit shirk, which is the greatest sin that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala will never uh, forgive. So I would be patient when someone, if you come come across some people who are having these thoughts, be kind to them, listen to them, guide them to an imam, guide them to a counselor where they can go get proper advice. But if you Come across a person who is already committing this act, but still say that I'm a Muslim. We have to be again. We don't want to push that person outside the fold of Islam and make that person a kafir, because there are many people who don't get proper reaction from the Muslims and the Muslim community. They think that Islam is not for me, and they will leave Islam. We don't want that to happen. This, by no means, we are saying that Islam accepts homosexuality. No, we're not saying that at all. But at the same time, we don't want them to commit. Uh, we don't want to push them to commit a greater sin. Remember, all of us have our own problems. All of us commit sins. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala He says, "Walaula fadlu Allahi alaykum wa rahmatuhu ma zaka minhum min ahdin abada." If it is not for the bounty and mercy of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, none of you will be purified. If you come across a person who is committing homosexuality, and if you think yourself that you are better than that person, just imagine that it is because of the mercy and the bounty of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, Allah has purified you from that particular sin. But you might be committing another sin. You might be committing another sin. So don't think that you are better than the other person. Anyone can fall into any type of sin at any point in time. So, but what we don't want to do is push that person outside the fold of Islam. So if you come across someone who is Engaged in the sin, remind them gently. Remind them gently about what Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala says about this, and find them help. Inshallah, we should treat them like how we would treat like an alcoholic or a drug addict. When we go and stand in prayer, who? How do we know the person who's standing next to us is not an alcoholic or a drug addict? 
it could be very i mean the person could be very very well be an alcoholic or a drug addict but he is struggling himself to come to the masjid to get rid of this habit so we have to be kind to these type of people we should not do anything that would make them leave the faith of islam and also we are living in a country that has legalized this type of action so we cannot go and do anything that that is against the law of the land and cannot take uh, cannot take matters in our own hands we have to be absolutely clear even though as muslims we abhor we hate homosexuality we have to ensure that we do not take do anything of our own we have to abide by the law of the land and we have to direct this person to a proper imam or to a counselor to get some help but never push them outside the fold of islam the only thing that i would warn is this is again purely my opinion if that person who's committing homosexuality if he or she is coming to the masjid and promoting this type of lifestyle only at that point you tell him or her that this is not the place for you because we don't want our children or our community members get affected by this only at that time you stop them from coming to the masjid when they are trying to promote this type of lifestyle otherwise you treat them like like any other person who are going through some problems and hide their secrets we don't want to make them public where and guide them to uh, uh, to a counselor or an imam where they can further help inshallah many of the people when they go through issues like that later on they can come back to islam who knows allah subhanahu wa ta'ala having been mm -hmm. lived most of their life as islam they could come back to uh, islam i know they say they can come back to they can rectify their mistake and come back to the obedience of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that's what we wish for these people so we, we should not be very rash uh, with these um, uh, with these type of people uh, so that's that's what i would say Jazakallah, Inshallah, this will be the last question. So you talked about homosexuality. You talked about other types of sins such as um, alcoholism, uh, drug addiction, fornication, adultery. There, there are many uh, sins out there. And in all of these situations, the solution is to come back to Allah, to repent for those sins, and remember the relationship with. What is um, maybe one or two pieces of quick advice to end? When we fall into any type of sin, whether it's one of the categories we mentioned or anything else for that matter, uh, what is some practical advice that you have for us, uh, how we can get back on the right track? And as the, as the Prophet wasallam said, Kullu bani Adam uh, So every uh, son of Adam is a sinner. And the best of sinners are those who come back to uh, come back to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, who repent to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. And khairul uh, hatta'ina tawabun. The best of sinners are those who repent to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala and come back uh, to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So the first thing is to realize that you've made a mistake, uh, and think about what you've done, and go back to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, He will forgive. All sins. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Qul ya ibadi al-ladina asrafu ala anfusim la taqnatu min rahmatillah." Allah Subhanahu wa Taala He calls these the people who have transgressed beyond bounds. Ya ibadi, my slaves. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is attaching Himself to those people who have transgressed. Ya qul ya ibadi al-ladina asrafu ala anfusim la taqnatu min rahmatillah. Do not lose hope in the mercy of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Inna Allah yaghfiru dunubajamiyah. 
First, we have to realize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he can forgive any type of sin as long as we come back to them. So that is the first step is to realize that you've made a sin. Then you come back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ask for his forgiveness. But if you are, if a person is in, engaged in a sin, do not be hesitant to seek professional help. And this is a taboo in our, uh, probably a taboo in our Muslim community that, uh, or, or a stigma, if you will, that uh, people will look at uh, differently when we go and ask for professional help and whatnot. No, when people are having marriage, uh, marital issues and whatnot, they go and seek a counselor. But when, again, it is okay when someone is thinking about alcoholism or drug addiction or the thoughts of homosexuality, it is okay to seek professional help. Either it be a professional counselor or you go to the imam or go to a person that you feel uh, comfortable to share your secrets with. It is okay to get counseling. And thirdly is try to stay away from the place. Don't put yourself in situations of fitna. If a person is engaged in sins like this, do not put yourself in those situations. People who are alcoholic, they should not be spending time with those people who go to bar and, and do whatnot. So similarly, if regardless of whatever sin that they may be, they might be committing, don't be with those people who encourage you or even give you the thought of committing that sin. Get away from that. Uh, uh, get a, get away from that situation. And I, I'm being open here again. If a person who's uh, who's addicted to pornography, I mean that is. I mean sometimes we hear these things and we think, okay, this cannot happen in a Muslim community. But these are real problems of our youth and in our Muslim community. So that person should not be sitting idle by himself in front of a computer. Do not put yourself in fitna. Repent, seek professional counseling. Don't put yourself in fitna. Then ask a lot of du'a. Ask Allah Subhanahu wa Taala a lot of dua to take you away from that situation and engage, like I said, engage in nawafil activities. Inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring you back and bring you back uh, from sins and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will protect us from those sins. So those are the things that are, kind of, that are coming to my mind right, right now. Allah.